This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off could be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com Rodgers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play! That is that! Take a shot! Oh, my goodness! Far post for Shearer, goal! McLaughlin has it. Oh, deflection! And a goal! Gets to Mitchell! It's another goal! Incredible! Hobble! Strangers podcast. It was good while it lasted, having a playoff push while I was hosting the pod for four weeks or however long it is. Uh, but Easter Monday wasn't very good in a footballing sense. Joining me to discuss it today is Dave. Hello, Dave. Hello, hello, Connor. Is it? I didn't realize Rich was um, gallivanting off for four weeks. So at least, um, at least he's doing all right out of it. Out of this time. Oh yeah, four games, four weeks. I'm just getting really confused now. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, that podcast intro was about as good as uh, Swinton's <laughs> performance against Leighton Orient uh, on Easter Monday. Um, you know, maybe I'll have to redo it in the in the edit. Who knows? Um, Dave, I was so excited for this one and it just didn't quite live up to my expectations. Yeah, there was a lot. There's a lot going into it, wasn't there? Like the the good win at the at the weekend, the return of, of Wellens. And Vigaru, which completely passed me by until about the tenth minute, and I saw him <laughs> take a goal kick. Um, and I mean, we'll come on to it, but as as it kind of panned out, it all felt very predictable how how the match was going. And um, yeah, all, it's all a bit flat again. Yeah, I always feel like when you see we're one nil down, and you see a player get sent off. I don't know if it's just the Swindon fan and me or if other fan groups um, do the same kind of thing, but I just think, oh, it's not going to be our day, is it? 
Uh, <laughs> and that's not a healthy way to kind of um, look at sort of what should be an advantageous situation. Yeah, um, it's. Uh, I agree with you. I thought this is going to make it a lot more difficult because our kryptonite is teams who 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 defend deeply, isn't it? And I mean, I thought Leighton Orient actually came out and started the game quite quite bullshy. Um, were pressing us quite high up, and I thought, well, if they carry on like this, we'll create chances. But yeah, they kind of their hand their hand was forced a little bit with the red card, and I mean, we just we just we've got a lot of talent and we're good at a lot of things, but playing it through two solid banks of four, I don't think is is one of them. And like I say, it just felt so predictable how things would would then roll out. Yeah, I, I mean, in terms of team selections, it was pretty much what I'd have hoped for, really, going um, into Monday. Um, obviously, we knew that Rob Hunt was not likely to be to be back after him limping off um, against Harrogate. Um, you know, it, it stands to reason that Baudry might get a rest after, you know, how we've seen sort of his injury record go over the last couple of seasons. Um, so for those to be the two only changes, given McCurdy wasn't sort of ready for the bench even, probably the right team to put out right yeah i agree uh, i agree with um Bow- resting Bowdry because of just of his age and where his legs are at and obviously um bringing Odomeo in for hunt was a, also a no-brainer I, I, I was a bit annoyed with um i got sucked in i think by the mccurdy hype and the the resurrection of jesus and thought he was going to be coming back but I think I need to learn that, especially based on what we went through with Jack Payne, where he was about ninety-five percent fit for about a month before he actually came back to play. And that it takes um, Garner likes to be a bit cautious with easing players back in, doesn't he? Yeah, I was uh, not really sure what to think of it, but I think just the fact that he didn't make the bench at all on Friday, um, and some of the noises from the press conference, it. I kind of woke up on Monday morning thinking it's probably not going to be the day that we see him back. And if, if we do, it's maybe five, ten minutes. But yeah, seeing the team sheet and, and you've got um, George Calmeadow on there instead of Harry McCurdy. Um, and yeah, it's not quite the, the, the resurrection that we had all hoped for, I guess. No, no, it's not. He's probably he's probably still making his way back from Wembley yesterday, isn't he? Yeah, exactly. I thought we should, we should have always kind of expected that i guess deep in our in our heart of hearts um it was always going to happen um I mean, obviously within the first minute we could have been a goal up um I, I i've almost i'd almost forgotten it now but just kind of going through my notes of things that i'd made on my phone at half time we had a chance in the first minute and uh there's egbo flashing it across the face of goal and actually there's almost three swindon attackers queuing up and i thought you know here we are this is going to be a good afternoon um, do you, what do you what did you think of that chance? Was it was it one that we should have maybe scored? It was a bright start. Um, I was just logging on. Like I, so I watched the game from home today because um, feeling a bit under the weather, and I literally was just logging on as that came as as that chance happened. So I didn't quite catch it fully, but it was it, it's it's a it's a decent chance. Um, it's, it's, we did start. The, the game did start quite open. Um, and like so Egbo getting in down the side there, he did that a fair bit in the first half. Um, but I think the, the chances kind of, whether it's late and orient wising up to it or what, I don't know. But the, the chances sort of 
dried up a bit after that. I think Tomlinson had an effort as well, didn't he? But I think I, I definitely missed that one. Um, that was me going, uh, going off of off of WhatsApps from friends. But I I promise I did watch the rest of the match. <laughs> so you missed the you missed the little good bit at the start. Yeah. Um, but what, what I guess you did then see is Leighton Orient growing into the game um, as, as the opening exchanges kind of wore on. Yeah, exactly. They, I mean, it it it, it wasn't really new, was it? Because it was all very similar to kind of how how we used to play when when um, Wellens was here, and it was a lot of the the high pressing and getting the ball forward. Quickly, but not necessarily um, long ball. I wouldn't say it was just moving it through the thirds quickly. Um, I don't. They didn't necessarily create much, but they were definitely um, keeping us on our toes. Um, yeah, I think if, if you're probably saying a team's going to score after 25, after 20 minutes or so, leading up to that free kick when they do score, you're probably going to say Orion. I think based on the, the, the opening exchange. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. And it's such a soft goal to concede as well. Oh. And we can't be doing that. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, I was from the stands looking for a foul because O'Brien's just there in a heap all of a sudden um, on the edge of the box. And you think, well, like big lad like him, that, that can't be nothing. But from what I've seen since, it doesn't look like there was any kind of foul or anything. Yeah, it it's just hard. looks like a completely yeah. regular goal. Yeah, the, the camera angle kind of cuts it out. But you just, yeah, you do just see him on the floor and... Um, the Leighton Orient player has kind of got a free header, and I mean Jojo's got to be doing better with that, hasn't he? Like, he's, he's nowhere. He's, he's yeah, he's come out, and he I, I don't know. He's yeah, it's it's certainly poor. I guess in his defence, it's probably more in an area where you're expecting a defender to get ahead on it. It might have even been O'Brien's one. So whatever he's done to get up on the floor and there, and you probably want to see him do better. Um, but yeah, definitely. Like once it kind of gets played in, I mean, it's a good ball and it's a good header. But um, yeah, it would have been nice to kind of see something a little bit more elastic ditch to fix it. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Did you get the sinking feeling that I got? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yes, I guess. Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? Because. I don't know. Have, how many times this season have we come from behind to get a result? I guess Northampton. I mean, did, but Northampton it get... feels like at home we're good at coming from behind, even if it's just for draws, which I guess wouldn't have helped us. Yeah. Um, but we we do get early setbacks quite a lot at home. Um, but but I I guess your your point is kind of answered in the sense that our home record's not been brilliant. No. <laughs> that's that's one way of putting it. Yeah. Um, I mean, the two yellow cards that the, the Orient player got sent off received are fairly sort of close together. Um, I think the first one, can't really argue with. The second one, I just have no idea what he was doing. And it's one of those things where it, it probably would have been better for us if he'd have just not made that tactical foul. We maybe would have scored, who knows. Um, but it was so early in the game. Like I do think an early red card does change... The dynamic of this kind of thing. It was daft. The, like the the second tackle, he kind of, he he started to slide in, and then you can see him as he's just about to make contact with, I think it's Barry. He, you can kind of see the thought process going through his head, going, "Oh no, I'm in trouble here." <laughs> but I can imagine he's um, he's going to be in for a bit of a ride. Uh, 
back in train when they get when they go back to training. Um, I think you're right in that it it does it changes the complexion of the game a lot having a, a red card that quickly and Leighton Orient having something to defend at that point as well. Um, <coughs> sorry, it makes it um, even more difficult for us to break down. But we, like you look at the table, we before we started today with 13 points better off than Leighton Orient. We should be a better side than Leighton Orient. We should be able to, A, have a decent chance of beating them when playing at home 11 v 11. And that chance should like that chance should be enhanced when they've got one less player. Like, I know it's I know it's difficult. I know that their all of their efforts are going to be focused on defending, but it's it's an advantage having an extra player. I don't know. Like, I know that's yeah. a very obvious statement to make, but it's an advantage. And I just you need to be playing with pace, and you need to be playing with width. And for the rest of that first half, we didn't play with either. As the second half progressed, we kind of tried to play with a bit of width, but that width was just almost aimless long balls to the flanks after still fannying around with it, going nowhere in the middle for a spell. And we just didn't do what I think you need to do when you're playing in that situation to to break teams down. You know, it's interesting you say that because I, I feel like we immediately responded to the red card fairly well. I think we were trying diagonals mostly out towards Egbo but there are a few towards Tomlinson as well um, which mostly arrived um, and there are a couple of times specifically with Egbo he did manage to get a cross in the end product wasn't quite as good as we saw on Friday but you know there was something brewing and there were a couple of chances whereas I think after half time that kind of tactic didn't seem to work like they seemed to get wise to it Um, but it was hard to see where a goal was coming from. And I think obviously we did kind of lose the momentum as well that was maybe growing a little bit after that red card where the, the crowd get up a little bit after the red card as well. Um, with a, a bizarre few minutes where just everyone seemed to lose their heads. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's the classic, isn't it? That's what you the commentators will say that you, you hate to see it, but you like to see it really, don't you? You like a little scrap. And it was like the most... <laughs> Um, inoffensive of scraps, I think. I think Darren Prattley's just doing what a man who's played 6,000 games of league football will do in that situation to try and slow the game down. And he's got right under Louis Barry's skin and a big old a big old set of handbags. I think another ref probably doesn't throw half as many cards out of that. But it's a nice little, um, it's a nice little interlude to the half and Wellens playing to the gallery after getting his card was... Just a bit of fun, wasn't it, on a bit of a dour afternoon? <laughs> yeah, I mean, just watching all of the yellow cards being given out was it just took a, a while in itself. So weird to have a first half we have more added time than the second half. Um, but <laughs> he was just sort of walking around. I think if you include the one on Wellington, that must have been sort of, what seven after the after that, maybe I six. So. I can't remember, but it, it was yeah. de- it's definitely at least two. For us and free for them, um, plus the plus violins, it was absolutely crazy. Um, I, I, I just think as well, like those that that kind of happened at a time where the momentum is gathering and then it just kind of dissipates. We had a similar kind of thing in the second half. If we we kind of fast forward, uh, where you know, after scoring the the our goal, just they they managed to to be clever and slow the game down again not a similar thing in terms of six six yellow cards for a fight but um just 
them being clever about things and seeing it out. Um, but I mean, with the second half, were you expecting a rousing team talk from Ghana to sort of fix things? Obviously, we, we had the tactical substitution at half time to take Tomlinson off and put Williams on. Um, that's what I would have kind of wanted to see at half time. Um, no arguments with that, but so was, what do uh, you think? I was so I was. I think we both said the same at half time that I think Egbo needed to move. Might seem a bit counterintuitive, but Egbo needed to move further backwards. I think to be almost a nominal wing back rather than Odomeo. because I think that's kind of where I was getting at with the width in the first half. It was it was just one one player because Odomeo is not a attacking fullback, and I don't think he necessarily has those kind of instincts to instinctively take um, make use of the space that opens in front of him like I think Egbo would and I mean like we saw Kessa Halen do earlier in the season and I think that hampered us a lot in the first half because it meant Egbo was almost on an island out there but I thought bringing if you move him to fullback and put Williams um, in front of him you then have you double your options on that side basically so I was I was surprised to see that not happen um, although I think after reading comments from Ghana post-match, I think Tomlinson was injured. Um, so I think his hand was forced a little bit. Um, but I don't know, it just felt like kind of more of the same. I'm lo- I'm I'm looking at my notes here and I've got nothing from half-time until the second late in Orient goal of, of note really happening. Um, so A lot of goal kicks. Well, wow. um, like you know, we we play a, play a diagonal ball out. It drifts beyond the final man. Yeah, Vigoro takes his time getting the ball upfield. Um, is is kind of how I'd summarise those like nine ten minutes between half time and their goal, which, I mean, is for my money one of the poorest we've conceded this season, and was like telecasted probably about a minute before, where you've got a throw in coming in, it's flicked on. I mean, it should never have been flicked on because you had two. Swindon players surrounding the 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 Orient attacker, um, and it just drops. We managed to just about scramble it clear, and then literally moments later, I think I think the the, the goal was a corner, wasn't it? But it was yeah. kind of a similar kind of move where it's flicked on, uh, and we just don't react. And uh, I hate to concede a goal like that. It just feels like the sort of thing that you you'd be annoyed at conceding it. Kind of five, well, not five aside, but you know. The kind of low level of football that we're used to playing. That's a bad goal to concede even there. Speak for yourself, low level of football. <laughs> um, I am only I, I am only speaking for the Royal <laughs> But no, I yeah, I agree. It's just so they're so sloppy. Like it's it's a long ball. The lo- the first ball, the, the, the header's not dealt with. I think it's O'Brien gets the initial header. And then there's oh, there's like three town players in the box and it just falls to the one Leighton Orient player. It's just so frustrating and scrappy, and because Leighton Orient weren't really offering anything going forward, and you've got to be able to keep those teams quiet in that situation. And I think we do have a soft underbelly, as has been kind of prodded time and time again throughout this season, and it's it's been a bit of a downfall again today with that that goal. Yeah, uh, and I mean just. The fact that they hadn't really been attacking too much was even more frustrating, kind of conceding a goal in, in that kind of fashion uh, because you just know there's a mountain to climb. We hadn't looked like climbing it, at least in that first 10 minutes of the, the second half. So 
you see an attacking change. And I think this is where, when we come on to talk about season prognosis and maybe even going into the summer, uh, where probably where we are in the table is, is, is kind of like directly to do with this. It's just a game like this. I feel like it, it called for another centre forward almost. Um, and we just kind of have to make do with obviously a player that we all want to see do well in Harry Parsons, but you know, it's, it's diff- difficult for him in terms of coming on to a game like that, having not scored a professional goal. Um, you know, in, in an ideal world where we didn't have an embargo, even if we're in the same position in the game, it might have been different. But, um, you know, it, it was hard to see where three goals were going to come from. That's what we needed, right? Yeah, it's the, the, the squad depth is just not there. Um, and, I mean, we're missing... I know McCurdy's not an out-and-out striker, but in terms of goals, he's our most important player and we're obviously clearly missing him. But I think in an ideal season, the likes of like Parsons and Mitchell Lawson, and I'd probably chuck Aguilar into the same mix, although he'd probably go to a higher level, but they they should all be getting like 20, 30 games at Chippenham or a National League level this season and like continuing to develop and grow and contributing more to games at that level rather than I mean I'm like it's hard I don't want to sound too negative because he's a youth prospect and he's right at the start of his career and we know that when I mean, you look at the Scott Twine example and Scott Twine spent about three seasons of little cameo appearances looking way out of his depth and now he's one of the highest rated players in league one so it's, it can definitely still happen but right here right now it's not the time for be relying on Harry Parsons and the fact that we have to is kind of it's it's a hangover from where we were at the start of the season and everything that happened last summer and everything that happened in the last two three years and I think we're all guilty I know I'm definitely guilty of forgetting sometimes where things were in July and August and what the outlook was then and I get if you look back and say then you'll have a okay season, you'll have some great memories and a good cup run and you'll finish ninth, bitting your hand off then. It's just disappointing when you then frame that with going into January and being top three and then finishing ninth. It sours the taste a little bit, but I guess the the, the key then is how we then move on into next season. But I'm, I know I'm jumping ahead a lot here. <laughs> yeah, no, but I mean... You sound like you're going through the kind of uh, mental gymnastics I was in the car on the way back, just in terms of how can I work out like why I'm so disappointed, but also hopeful yeah. at the same time. It, it, I mean, I, I definitely am feeling all of these things at once, which is why it's so weird to be a Swindon fan at the moment, because on one level, I'm really happy with how the season's gone. On another level, I'm really unhappy with how it's kind of slipped away. Um, and I've not even really given a lot of blame out about if you, I mean, if if you're blaming it, like you say, a lot of it's on the situation that the club was at the beginning of the season and even longer term before uh, versus now. Um, it, it's kind of hard to kind of keep that in mind um, and try and work out when it's relevant because you know there's certain things that we do wrong which uh, the, the the position in the summer is not relevant. You know, if if we were two nil up and uh, brought Baudry on and failed to see it out, whatever, like. That's that's probably nothing to do with it because he's a good player for the level, that kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, definitely when you're chasing a game, you need three goals. And uh, our best options are players that haven't scored many goals. Um, 
at a pro level and, and haven't got that experience, it, it, it does make it harder. And it'd be interesting to hear your take on kind of how we went about chasing the game because it was just a familiar kind of thing for me from a lot of the, the games we have been behind going into um, the final phases um, uh, in recent months at home anyway, uh, because I guess the urgency didn't feel like it was there. Um, I, I think we're so process driven uh, as a team yeah. that they kind of want to keep getting the balls into the right kind of areas without realizing sometimes that sometimes you just have to take an imperfect chance and see if it works, if that makes sense. No, I think that's absolutely uh, right. And we just kept funneling the ball out wide, trying to make a little bit of space uh, and put a cross in, despite the fact there was no aerial presence in the area. Uh, when our goal, the probably the best moment of the game, just comes through a pass down the middle, which I just don't understand why why we didn't try it earlier, if that makes sense. No, I think, I think that process-driven point is kind of the, the big one everything we do and I think it points to our general home form this season everything we do is so choreographed to do things in a certain way and play methodical patient build-up through from the back to the front and prod and probe and try and find the attacking gaps for players to move into and I think the problem that you have at this level is that to, to do that successfully, you need attacking players who are who are very intelligent, who have the athleticism to always be on and nimble and move around and have the technique to be able to pull things off and the mentality to keep staying so focused throughout the whole game. And you bundle all that together and you don't really have a League Two player, is my concern. You have players who, uh, should, who perform at a higher level. And when you... When you when you come up against teams who leave you more gaps at the back, you've got a bigger margin of error for that choreography to go wrong and still be successful going forward because there's lots more space to move into and players are less tight and you can move balls through quicker. But when you've got games like today and generally at home where teams are more defensive, everything's so much more difficult to plod through. And what that then looks like is either slow nowhere football which we see from times or you get players getting frustrated and breaking from that kind of rules-based approach that we have but not doing it in any kind of way that's gonna work like <laughs> just just aimless long balls and that's kind of I think we kind of saw both of those bits today and I think that's a I kind of think that's a learning area and I'd not I'd, I'd like Garner, like this isn't to say a criticism of Garner for the future because he has shown a, a willingness to learn and adopt his methods and we definitely don't play as one note now as we did at the start of the season. But I think generally you need to, at this level, this is probably a controversial statement, but tactics are almost overrated. Just be organised and be dynamic and you'll be all right. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm taking your silence as agreeing. Um... Yeah, no, totally. <laughs> I, I just, I, I think to a certain extent, like the, anal well, the analogy or the kind of way of thinking about it that I have in my head is that you kind of have two ways of managing. One is like really sticking to the process and, and doing what you're told as a player. And one is, like the result is king, like everything we do is just to do with the result. And 
as a manager, probably your main your your task is to kind of take both of those things and try and balance them as well as possible, so that you try and win all of the time. Not not that no one's not trying to win, but you know what I mean. Yeah, like yeah, you yeah. keep the greater result as a really important thing, uh, but also you make sure that like you you don't sacrifice like what you're trying to do and that you still do. You try and keep making the right decisions because you know even even if you make all of the right decisions, you don't win. That still means you can keep doing that on a consistent basis. Um, and I think there are times when you can be too much one way and too much the other way. And I think at this point, sometimes I just think we we don't think about the end result quite as much or with quite as much urgency. And that just means that we're maybe not quite as ruthless as we should be. Um, so it, it is just things like we, we've got so many amazing technical players that I think if, if you just let a couple of them kind of look at the game and think <clears throat> if I get through a certain amount of space, where does the game open up? Um, I think you could see that there, a couple of them wanted to play the pass down the middles, uh, down the middle, but you know because of how we're drilled, there wasn't always the option on. Um, it sometimes had to go out wide, but it, it just was kind of a nonsense way of playing because we have maybe one player in the box that can win a header um, against their what at that point was pretty much a back six. So it, it, it's difficult. I'm not going to say that I would have coached that game of football any better because I definitely wouldn't have done, um, but. I think it's one of those things where it would be nice to kind of have a little bit more of the improvisation that we see away from home at home. But like you say, there, there are reasons for that as well. So it is what it is. Um, Davidson's goal was reasonably nice at least. And it, it kind of lifted the atmosphere for a decent 10 minutes or so. Yeah, it was. It was a good little, good little build up, wasn't it? Um, Reed involved with the flick. I think Payne put him through and it was a, Good finish to put Vigaru, uh, send Vigaru the wrong way. And we kind of, we did have a bit of a spell off the back of that. And that's when we started to play a bit more loose and a bit more like, like I think Johnny Williams was basically playing as a right wing back for most of it and getting so much space on the right hand side. And I, I mean, I take your point completely about the crosses aren't the way to, to, to go, but our best chance was um, the cross to Barry at the back post where, I mean, I, I don't think he could have done much more than he did. I think it, I think it was quite close and Vigaru made himself very big and saved it well. But then the follow-up, there's three out players congregating on the ball and none of them managed to stick, stick the ball in the net. And we kind of had a five-minute five spell or so after, after the goal where there was a lot of energy and a lot of movement. And I mean, it did look a bit playground at times, I thought, but that's what you need sometimes. <laughs> like, and then it kind of fizzled out. Yeah. I mean, it is one of those things where a manager that's now managed <clears throat> a lot of games at this level, um, a team that have played a lot of games um, and, you know, have proven themselves, even if the season's not gone as they'd wanted to over the course of different points of the season have, have proven themselves to be pretty good at getting results, you know, earlier. And since Wellens comes has come in as well, they, they seem to have picked up quite a bit. Um, and they just kind of applied that experience and uh, managed to slow things down, create, you know, a couple of half chances of their own. Like they basically just kept playing the ball into Drinnen and hoping, hoping they'd be able to flick it on and yeah. uh, see what happened. Um, but it, it relieved the pressure for them, like let, let off a little bit and, again you're just in that kind of injury time similar to Newport where you just wanted someone to put the ball in somewhere and, and ask a question and 
they can't work the angle and it doesn't quite happen. Um, yeah, I, I wish we'd have had a chance to get Wallach up for one set piece <laughs> at the end, but it just wasn't. I think our last set piece must have been on about the 87th minute, which is too early, really. But ugh, how I really thought it could have been written, but it just wasn't quite. Not to be. O'Brien was playing. O'Brien was playing up front by the end, wasn't he? That was. That's what I mean. The the chaotic playground nature of it all. We seem to. Yeah, it, it, that just kind of seemed to come kind of out of nowhere. Because, but I just kind of noticed it at, at one point and didn't realize how long it must have been up there. It must have been. Uh, who knows? But not not quite the the Tom Broadbent experience that we all hoped <laughs> no. for. I guess. No, no, afraid not. <sighs> um. I mean, I think the only real thing to discuss after that is, you know, it was a really bitter one. Uh, how did you feel at full time? Um, I mean, I've gone through a range of emotions tonight, Connor, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm definitely a lot calmer now. At, at full time, I was just I was just annoyed. Like, it, it, it genuinely felt like that was it, that's done. Um like it's just confirmation that of the failings in the squad, and we've just got four games left to have a bit of a good time and a bit of a piss up at Wolves all the way. But you know, mm-hmm. reflecting on it, I said before Harrogate that fifteen points would get you into the playoffs. I guess four wins in our last four games do get us into the playoffs. Yeah, we just have to do it. Have to but... do it is the hard part. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and if I look, like I said earlier, so if you look at the bigger picture, where like where we were at the start of the year, then you know things things are trending upwards. Um, the important thing is that they continue to well, they improve from where they they are now in the in the summer. Um, I think that's the important. Yeah, that's the important spell, both both in terms of like the recruitment um, and just like the off the pitch stuff, like the the ticketing system and the kind of like the, the I don't know the the videos and stuff that you see on the internet. Um, I, I sounded like a granddad then, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you, you know what I mean. Wow. You know what I mean. Um, we just need to carry on making those forward forward steps. Yeah, and I definitely know which 30 seconds of audio we're using to promote the podcast. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I think it's one of those things where it, it feels really weird with four games left of the season to be trying to think about the bigger picture, but I guess that's kind of the, the way of keeping this all in perspective. I think some really good tweets over uh, Bank Holiday weekend, um, and I, I, I'm very sorry um, for not mentioning the names because I can't remember off the top of my head, but I think a few people have pointed out that there are three teams of embargoes in League Two at the moment. Um, two of them are in the relegation zone, one confirmed to be going down, one seems likely to be confirmed fairly soon, um, and the third one is us. <laughs> and yeah. We're nowhere near it. And it, it does kind of calm you down a little bit when, when you realise that, but still really annoying not to win games. Uh, but, you know... We can, we can hope that four from four can happen. Uh, we 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 live in hope. Dave, um, man of the match is going to be a difficult one this week. Uh, I had a look at the replies to the tweets, and they're 
really was like quite a range. A, a lot of people not suggesting one, which is fair enough. Um, then there were just single names here and there. I think the only person who got more than one was uh, Johnny Williams. So he he has to be, I guess, <laughs> yeah. the listener's man of the match. Uh, who are you going for? Oh, I don't know. I, I, I Williams played all right when he came on. Either him or go the Garth Crooks route and give it to Davison because he scored. But they, like, they, I don't think they're what I'd agree with. None. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what I think, really. Um, I, don't I think I'm, I'm happy to go with Davison because he, he scored. Yeah, um, that's fine. I guess none would, but none would break the spreadsheet, I guess. It, I think it would. Um, I actually don't have Excel at the moment, so I've not been <laughs> not been updating it. I'm just going to send Rich a list so he can he can let us know in however many weeks, not four weeks, however many, however long it is um, until we're back. <sighs> I feel like we've got a lot of our chests after after all of that um it's probably been a really bleak listen i we're, we're gonna get a lot of people sort of <laughs> saying how bleak it was just like we used to during the good old days of last season yeah is this the only way we know how to podcast together I think, I think so i only do defeats these days <laughs> yeah we should we should uh not book you um, <laughs> and then just bring you on after a win just to break that uh, who do so. that's the way to do it that's the way any final thoughts before we uh, let everyone enjoy them Tuesday mornings? Uh, just I don't know. It'll it'll get better one day. One day might be yeah, soon. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm just saying words, Connor. <laughs> just 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 filling airtime. I mean, you know, at, at least it's not long till the next one. Maybe we can feel a little bit happier then. Who knows? It's still all to play for. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well yeah thank you very much for joining me Dave uh, thanks everyone also for listening in uh, we I guess we'll be back ahead of Hartlepool um, in the hope that there's still some lovely stuff to enjoy uh, for the rest of the season uh, but until then goodbye The Low Strangers is an independent podcast. Views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club. The music is provided by the great Matthew Kilford and the podcast artwork is by Matt in Singapore. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant like Darren Ward. Or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.